You are listening to Hit Play, Not Pause, a feisty menopause podcast for active, performance-minded women. I am your host, Celine Yeager. Each week, I bring you advice from athletes, scientists, researchers, and other experts to help you feel and perform your best, no matter what your hormones are doing. This show is a production of Live Feisty Media. Hello, strong, feisty women. So as I sit and record this intro for you, I'm staring at one of three, maybe four, crowns that have fallen out of my head during a bike race. The first one was in Brazil on some massive climb through the pouring rain about 60 miles in. I was starting to run on fumes, so I popped a Scratch Labs chew into my mouth, and a couple moments later, I felt my left crown pop off, and I ended up stuffing the remainder of that chew, crown attached, into my jersey pocket, and carried on. That scene repeated itself in Israel, only this time I was hanging on for dear life to the lead group as we were heading towards the first section of trail. And that one, sadly, I just spit out as a sacrifice to the single track. The crown I'm looking at now, I lost that one to a dry date about 90 miles in to 125 mile gravel race last fall, unpaved of the Susquehanna River Valley. I could actually do a whole show devoted to my dental history. I've had the roots of one tooth blow up days before flying to a stage race in South Africa and I had to get the tooth pulled. I've lost track of root canals, let alone fillings and other emergency dental procedures. I didn't grow up with fluoridated water. I had an eating disorder for a while. I've been an endurance athlete for many, many years. And now I'm menopausal. All of those things are a challenge to dental health. And I know I'm not alone. I've commiserated plenty with fellow racers about the thousands of dollars that have gone into dental care and repair. And I've had a few requests to have a dental health expert on the show. So I'm really stoked to bring you Dr. Julie Gallagher, who is an honorary research fellow at the University College of London, based at the Eastman Dental Institute Center for Oral Health and Performance. Julie has done some really interesting studies on elite athletes that we get into on the show, and I think you'll get a lot of good advice out of this one. She is also a dedicated triathlete, so she walks the talk. Before we get into the conversation, just a quick reminder that you can find us at Feisty Menopause on Instagram and Facebook. We have our private Hit Play Not Pause Facebook group where you can come in and join the conversation. If you have ideas for the show or some feedback, just hit me up at hitplaynotpause at lifeisty.com. And if you like the show, please subscribe and share it with your friends on your socials. It helps us to grow and to keep bringing you great guests. Okay, enough of me. Let's have a few words from our awesome sponsors and get on with the show. As a lifelong runner and cyclist, I am stoked to announce that Tifosi Optics has come on as a podcast sponsor. The beauty of Tifosi sports glasses is that they hit all the marks. They are shatterproof polycarbonate, so the lenses not only reduce glare, but also offer scratch resistance and complete eye protection. They stay put. They have little hydrophilic rubber nose pads that actually get more grippy the more you sweat, so they stay secure and don't slide down your face even when you're running in sauna-like conditions. No matter what sport you do, they have a shade for your activity, including tennis, fishing, pickleball, running, cycling, and just hanging out at the beach and they are super reasonably well-priced, which is very hard to find in a sea of overpriced eyewear. And 
they just look freaking rad. So head on over to tofosioptics.com and use the code FM, capital F, and capital M, like Feisty Menopause, number 20, FM20, to get 20% off your order today. I'll put a clickable link in the show notes to make it a snap. Musculoskeletal health is everything during menopause. Everyone knows how much I love Joint Health Plus from Prevenex, which has helped me get back to distance running after arthritic toes stopped me in my tracks. Now they have a product that has become my go-to for muscle strength and recovery, Muscle Health Plus. Muscle Health Plus contains all the key ingredients we talk about on this show, like creatine monohydrate, essential amino acids, and branched-chain amino acids, plus even more cutting-edge ingredients like HMB and estrogen that are scientifically shown to increase muscle growth, recovery, and strength. I use it every day during my early morning lifting sessions, and there's no question that it helps my power during those workouts and my recovery after. Plus, I love having everything I need from the best high-quality ingredients in one reasonably priced shake. I've also heard from fellow users who have had bloating or GI upset in the past from creatine that haven't had any of that with Muscle Health Plus. I make my shake with almond milk and espresso, but it's also good with ice cold water, which makes the flavor really pop. As always, you can get 15% off your first order with the code HIPPLAY, all caps, one word, at Prevenex.com. That's HIPPLAY, all caps, one word, at Prevenex.com. Do your muscles a favor and head on over and get some today. Thank you for coming on the show. I really, really appreciate this conversation. It's actually been requested that I that I talk about dental health um, from some of our listeners. And I thought I really should talk about dental health because I have my own history we'll get into. But before we get into that, when I was looking for someone to talk to about the subject, I was you know going into PubMed and I had written about this for Bicycling. And one of your colleagues, I mean, I imagine you know Dr. Ian Needleman, who had, I interviewed for Bicycling Magazine. Um, and then I came across you and I'm like, she's also an athlete herself. She runs and does triathletes, so, or triathlons rather. So um, I would love to talk a little bit about your personal history. Like what inspired you to get into dentistry? Uh, okay. Well, first of all, um, Professor Ian Needleman uh, was actually my supervisor when I was doing my PhD. Oh, nice. <laughs> And uh, I'm still in touch with him. We have we have established um, the Centre for Oral Health and Performance at uh, the Eastman Dental Institute, which is part of University College London. Oh, I love it. So I very much have a lot to do with Ian. That is great. Yeah, and the other thing I'd like to say is, well, thank you very much for asking me uh, to come along and uh, talk about oral health and sport. Um, so you wanted to know what got me into dentistry? Mm-hmm. Well, I really just fell into it. Um, my older brother was already at dental school when I was deciding what to study at university. And it seemed an interesting career. Um, I had the grades. I was keen to leave school and get started at university. And um, so that was me. I went to university to study dentistry at the grand old age of 17 years old. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. Um, hadn't a clue what I was letting myself in for, but um, it appears to have been a fairly good career choice for me. Wow, that's that's really, that's amazing. And then, 
And then you go on to pursue this PhD in 2014. And what led you on that track? Well, ever since um, first graduating as a dentist, um, I continued to set myself regular challenges, academic challenges. So I did another bachelor's degree. I did a master's degree. I did a PGCE, which is teaching qualification, because I was teaching dental students. And then finally, um, in 2013, I attended a symposium at University College London run by Professor Needleman and his team. And they were presenting their research uh, from the London 2012 Olympic Games, Mm -hmm. where they were the first team really to investigate oral health in athletes as opposed to investigating how much dental services were used during the Olympic Games. So it's a slightly different take on oral health and sport. So they ran a symposium, uh, which I attended, and I just thought, wow, what a fantastic piece of research, because I was interested in, in uh, sport, obviously, mm-hmm. because I take part in sport. And, of course, I'm a dentist with an interest in trying to promote oral health and I thought oh I wish I could have been part of that research Um, and then in 2014 uh, they had funding for a PhD studentship so when they advertised that I was convinced I was the right person for the job managed to persuade them that was the case and um, that's where we went from there. That's great I I love that. And and let's talk a little bit about your your own um, your own athletic pursuits because the article that I found on you described you as a passionate triathlete, and I'm wondering, you know, I see some medals behind you, and I know there are more in another room because we talked offline. Um, how long have you been in the sport? And I'm wondering because in that article it said that you were keen to do um, an Ironman to mark your 60th birthday, but I know that pandemic thing happened, and I'm wondering if that got unfulfilled or if you were able to do it. Yeah, okay. Um, So when I was 30, I did my first marathon, ran, completed my first marathon, which was the London Marathon. Thought that was fantastic. Um, The people I was training with, one of them had um, joined the local triathlon club and I thought, right, that's what I'll do. That can be my next challenge. Um, So uh, that was back in 1995. Uh, two cup triathlon. Uh, my first multi-sport event was a swim run event mm-hmm. and I had to swim breaststroke because I hadn't even mastered <laughs> freestyle then. Um, so I learned how to swim properly, joined the local triathlon club and um, I still love it 30 years later. Can't give it up. Um, I completed my first middle distance which is half Ironman to mark being 35 mm. and I continued to participate running marathons, half marathons, 10Ks, cycling races, swimming events, and triathlons, of course. Um, And I completed my first Ironman distance, my only other Ironman distance, back in 2009. Um, And then I always said I would do one more just to prove that it wasn't a (laughs) one-off. So... When I was 60, I thought, right, now the time's come. Um, and of course, COVID got in the way. So I've postponed it. And hopefully in September this year, I'll be going to Italy to complete Ironman Italy. Oh, excellent. Fingers crossed. So Fingers two years crossed. late. 
Two years that's later. Okay. That's COVID yeah. years. They don't, they, they kind of they don't, they don't So I'm still only 60. Oh, totally. <laughs> totally fine. Totally. <laughs> well, that yeah. is that I love all of that. So it's funny. I haven't, uh, I haven't shared much of my dental history on this show. I did share it quite extensively during my time at bicycling, but man, oh man, my teeth have a rap sheet miles and miles long. Um, I've had so many root canals. I've had to have a tooth extracted literally days before I was off to a mountain bike stage race in South Africa, which is like one of the hardest races in the world. I can't, I have, I have lost crowns in two different countries where they came off like mid stage race, you know, and I just would shove them in my back pocket. Um, yeah, it's, it's been kind of a nightmare, but it, it's something that we don't talk enough about in sports. So I, I love that, that we are going to talk about this, like the, the oral health and performance connection, and then like bring the whole women in midlife and hormone thing, you know, into this for our audience. But can you talk a little bit about the research that you had done? You know, you did, once you got into this PhD, you did your own study on 350 athletes that was in the British Dental Journal in 2019. Yeah. So from the research that Ian and his group had done before I started, we had a pretty strong hypothesis that athletes with poor oral health would note a negative impact on their performance. So we had to prove or disprove this and we had to investigate this. And being dentists with an interest in sport, we didn't just want to find out what the problem was, find out the size and extent of the problem. We also wanted to try and understand what behaviours athletes were, were doing that would cause them to have poor oral health or if they were actually behaving in ways that should encourage them to have good oral health and without asking the questions you don't know what the answers are and of course finally because we we are dentists with an interest in sport and we want people to be able to perform to the best of their ability we wanted to see if we could um, design some kind of intervention some kind of program oral health promotion event that would encourage athletes to adopt new behaviours, have better oral health and have fewer impacts, negative impacts on their performance. So that's what the whole PhD was about. But this paper itself was the report that we published looking at oral health behaviours of elite athletes. So um, the when I was originally doing the, the study, we offered to do dental checkups for the athletes who volunteered to take part in the study. And there were um, 352 elite athletes. That's athletes who were training for the uh, Rio 2016 Olympic Games or training for other international profess professional competitions like long bike rides or rugby competitions, things like that. So in total, we included athletes from nine different sports, including cycling, rowing, swimming, football, soccer, mm -hmm. rugby, field hockey, gymnastics, athletics and sailing. So the average age of these athletes was 25. They're a young group. Uh, the youngest was 18 and the oldest was 39. And a one third of those athletes were female. So the findings uh, represent the athlete population as a whole. And within the data, there were athletes with really good oral health and athletes with really poor oral health. But overall, there was a substantial amount of 
tooth decay, acid erosion and gum inflammation. And around about a third of those athletes said that they'd had some kind of negative impact on their performance in sport. So I think we can see that oral health is certainly a or poor oral health is certainly a substantial problem in an elite athlete population, and therefore it's likely to filter down to all people in that kind of lifestyle. And um, there is certainly a potential for oral health problems to have a negative impact on your performance, whether it's just your day-to-day living or actually your athletic performance. So, so a couple of things I want to like dig in a little bit more on there. Uh, they, even though they had all of those issues, they also had pretty good habits, right? They had pretty good dental hygiene habits. If I remember correctly, they brushed their teeth twice a day. And actually a lot of them flossed, if I remember correctly, which is something I know that people often yeah, don't. Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, at the same time as doing the dental checkups, we gave the, the, um, the athletes a questionnaire and we asked about um, we asked what they did to keep their mouth and teeth and gums healthy. So it was the first thing we asked about. And you're quite right. Um, nearly all of the athletes said that they brushed their teeth at least twice a day. About 44% said that they used floss or clean between their teeth using some other kind of uh, method three or more times a week. And then other things that the athletes said they used to protect their oral health, they used fluoride mouthwash, some of them, um, about 40%. Uh, and about a third of them said they used sugar-free chewing gum, which is also quite good for oral health. The other thing we asked about relating to oral health and performance was we asked about um, their hydration, uh, whether they drank water to hydrate. And um, yes, most of them did say that they they drank water regularly. So, you know, they, they are doing things that should promote good oral health. Um, we also asked about um, what they did that could be a risk to their oral health. Because here they are, they're, you know, they say they're doing all the right things. And they've actually only got levels of oral health the same as the general population. And that's disappointing, I think considering that athletes are health conscious, well looked after, there really should be, you would expect better things. So the questions we asked about things that could be a risk to your oral health were what their usual diet was like, how much sugar they had in their usual diet, um, and how often and what type of sports nutrition products they used. Um, So based on their answers, just over a quarter of the athletes would be classed as high consumers of sugar in their regular diet, which is a lot less than the general population. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So their general diet would tend to be good for oral health. However, um, despite being aware that sports gels, sports drinks, sports bars, exactly and they'll stick on your teeth and last forever so eight out of ten of the athletes said they use sports drinks during training and competition seven out of ten said they used energy gels and six out of ten said they used energy bars so i think we can see that 
although athletes um, know what they should be doing in their general lifestyle, you can't get away from the requirement for enough energy to fuel your training and competition. And that will involve the use of sports drinks, gels and bars. So that's a risk. Yeah, which becomes I mean, in our audience, too, we have quite a few Ironman level ultra runner, you know, long distance cycling. Um, You know, even even if you look at your daily, quote unquote, daily diet and life being good, if you're training 10 to 20 hours a week, there's a lot of exposure potentially right to all of these things, because we tell people to train as they're going to race, which means, you know, you're consuming a lot of the same products on a regular basis. That's right. So it's so important that in your general life, you do all the things right. But I think athletes are pretty good at knowing what a good diet should be for for their usual life and to support the training. So it's, uh, it's important to have a good level of nutrition in your lifestyle. And we know that there's a there can be a problem for some athletes with trying to maintain that fine balance between having enough energy and maintaining a good racing weight. So that that's quite important as well. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, so we kind of identified what we felt were the risks to oral health from being an athlete. We found out what athletes already do um, to protect their oral health. And the last thing we asked them in the questionnaire was what behaviours they think they could change or what new behaviours they could adopt if it would improve their oral health or mitigate the risks of having oral diseases. So most of the athletes were very happy to consider adopting Enhanced oral hygiene routines. Right. High so performance hygiene, if you will. I was going to ask, like, what would a high performance dental strategy look like? Absolutely. So, you know, we're, we're, we're not saying that athletes need to adopt too much in the way of new behaviors. But what they have to do is make sure they stick to the behaviors that we recommend and that they do them effectively and do them right. Mm-hmm. Because it's very easy not to quite get it right. Uh, The other um, proviso I have to put on the data is that this was self-reported data. So how much was the athletes telling me what they thought I wanted to hear and how Mm. much was a, a true reflection? I mean, obviously it was anonymous, so we hope that it's a fairly accurate representation of what athletes do. Um, so they were happy to think about um, enhancing, you know, regular brushing, flossing. Um, and also they had a good positive attitude towards using fluoride. And we know that fluoride in toothpaste is really, really important for mitigating against dental decay. The one thing that they couldn't and wouldn't um, think was very easy to change would be to make changes in their diet and their use of um, sports nutrition products. For decades, running shoes have been researched, tested and designed for men. 
brands have relied on the shrink it and pink it approach to sell male shoes to female customers. That's why we are stoked to be working with Hedda's. Hedda's designs athletic footwear for women that elevates performance, safety, and style. Hedda's has unlocked the science behind women's biomechanics through dedicated research and creates better shoes for women's performance. Some of Hedda's special features include a lower ankle collar to reduce rubbing on women's ankle bones, a breathable mesh toe box to allow for ventilation and accommodate female toe shape, a more narrow and reductive heel cup to reduce heel slippage and take pressure off the Achilles, a rounded instep that creates a snug fit through the middle to match the curvature of a woman's foot and supercritical foam and a PBEX plate in the midsole to keep our legs going when the going gets tough. Hedda's has three shoe models designed for different sessions, the Alma Cruise for your long runs, the Alma Tempo for training days, and the Alma Speed for pushing the pace. I've been running in the Alma Tempos and they are a pleasure to train in. You can get your own pair of Hedda's at Hedda's.com and use the code FEISTY20, that's all caps, FEISTY20, for 20% off. Check it out today. We'll put a clickable link in the show notes to make it a snap. Good sleep. The one thing that sets you up for a great workout and a good day is quality sleep. We talk about it all the time here on the show, which is why I'm stoked to have Lagoon Sleep as a new sponsor. Because one of the most overlooked tools in a great sleep toolbox is the thing you literally rest your head on eight hours a night, your pillow. A quality pillow is everything. Otherwise, you end up tossing, turning, punching, and folding your pillow, waking up with neck pain, and all the stuff that happens when your pillow doesn't meet your personal comfort needs. Say hello to the most comfortable sleep you've ever had with Lagoon. They start you out with a two-minute personalized pillow quiz and then pair you with your perfect pillow. I got the Otter, a cooling adjustable pillow that is perfect for side sleepers who run warm at night like I do. It is a dream. It's fully adjustable, so I was able to get the perfect loft and support and the cooling feature is everything. As someone who turned into a furnace every evening before menopause, I appreciate that the otter is stuffed with shredded gel-infused memory foam, which instead of trapping heat from my neck and head, draws it away and dissipates it. It's truly delightful. I'm a good sleeper, and otter has taken it to the next level with both support and cooling. Put my head down, good night, Irene. My aura ring confirms what little tossing and turning I was doing is gone. The beauty of the pillow quiz is you can get the perfect pillow that you need to and make your sleep the best sleep you can have. Go to lagoonsleep.com slash hit play and take the two minute quiz to find your perfect match and then use the code hit play all caps one word for 15% off your first purchase. Sweet dreams. So, so I, I would love to give a, a little bit of nitty gritty here on some of this because, um, for our audience, if they are already, you know, doing the basic things, let's say they're brushing twice a day, let's say they're flossing every day, or at least, you know, most days a week. What, uh, what kind of toothpaste should they be looking at? Uh, I have read that you're, which I'm still guilty of, I cannot get into the habit of not rinsing after I brush. Um, And other, you know, and then I want to talk about maybe some ways we might be able to minimize the detrimental impact of some of the things that we're doing on our bike or on our run. But let's talk about those basics first. Like what does a good brushing habit and good toothpaste and all of that look like? So most of the, um, so, so most of the benefit of toothbrushing, if you're looking to protect against dental decay, comes from the fact that you're using a fluoride toothpaste. Okay. Now, for athletes, 
who are using your challenge, they're challenging their teeth with lots of sugars, we would recommend using a very high fluoride toothpaste. So normal toothpaste has got about 1,000 to 1,450 parts per million of fluoride in the toothpaste. The one that we recommend and used in our intervention actually um, is, has 2,800 parts per million or even 5,000 parts per million fluoride. That in the UK is um, available on prescription. Okay. You don't buy it, you can't buy it. I think okay. it's the same here because I've had it yes. where my dentist prescribes it. Yeah, that's right. So it's very simple. You can, you know, your dentist can prescribe it. Um, and we would recommend that you use it just as your normal toothpaste. Now, the important thing about fluoride is that it needs to be in contact with the teeth for it mm -hmm. to work. So absolutely, absolutely don't rinse away your toothpaste. <laughs> That's a really important message. I think a, I think most people probably do, right? Yeah. It's the one message that's so, so important. And it's not a difficult behavior change once you get into the habit. Right. So, I mean, I, when I tell people how to brush their teeth, um, I always say, don't start by putting the, don't, don't start the tap running, the faucet, don't, don't start running the water. Right. You're only wasting the earth's resources. You don't need it. You can put your toothpaste onto a dry brush and you can brush mm -hmm. your teeth and spit the toothpaste away. And then wow. you can turn the tap on to rinse it down the sink. But That's not, radical. Okay. <laughs> but not to rinse your mouth. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I I, I think that that was... Um, when Ian told me that during our interview, I, it was, I was actually kind of maybe embarrassingly blown away. Like I just had not ever heard that or thought it or maybe learned it I'm not even sure yeah I think a lot of people think that when they're brushing their teeth they're cleaning all the germs off their teeth and they want to rinse and you know when you clean uh when you clean the bathroom sink you totally. rinse it afterwards don't you well we're not bathroom sink <laughs> we need to rinse this away yeah, yeah. excellent excellent um yeah. is is floss sufficient or should we use those little brushes? I've seen so many different implements for inter-tooth cleaning, so I'm curious like what you would recommend. Yeah, yeah. Um, if you can use floss, that's fine. It will get into very, very narrow spaces between teeth. However, it's very tricky to use and you need a good level of manual dexterity and you really actually need to be shown how to do it properly. Your dentist or a dental hygienist is the person to show you how to do that it's a it's a difficult technique to learn so but but you can use it in very tight spaces the little dental brushes that you talk about they are excellent mm -hmm. uh, again you need to ask your dentist or your dental hygienist on which sizes you should be using they should be just a snug fit between your teeth so you might need different sizes depending on the sizes of the gaps between mm -hmm. your teeth. Um, but they, if they, they just need to be snug so that they're actually brushing the dental plaque off the surfaces. Right, right. Gotcha. So, um, and they are much simpler to use. So most uh, dentists probably suggest you think about them if the gaps between you, your teeth are allow you to use them. And 
Do we need any of the mouth rinses? I've read interesting studies about mouth rinses, especially the antibacterial ones and blood pressure and nitrates, you know, and some people use like beet juice and stuff and it doesn't. So I'm curious about um, mouthwash, like if that's something that we need or should be any precautions there? To be honest, um, you probably don't need a mouthwash. Um, We would recommend a fluoride mouthwash, a mouthwash with fluoride in it, if you're at risk of dental decay. There's one other um, condition that affects teeth uh, that wears away tooth enamel, and that's acid erosion or dental erosion. And that's um, when you have tooth decay, the decay that causes the holes in your teeth is acid that's produced by the bacteria that live in dental plaque. Uh, Acid that comes from food and drinks, like sports drinks, or if you have uh, an eating disorder, for example, like Mm -hmm. bulimia. Many of our our audience has. I mean, they will have had, yeah, that's right. That acid is a different, uh, comes from a different source. It's not produced by the bacteria. And you might even have a very clean mouth and very little dental plaque. But this acid is straight from the food and drink that you consume or from stomach acid. Mm -hmm. And that dissolves uh, tooth enamel. And that process is called dental erosion or um, you know, acid erosion. Again, fluoride can offer some protection against that. So it's really, so we would possibly um, suggest that people with these kind of problems might find that uh, a fluoride mouthwash is really useful to them. But we would always say use your um, fluoride mouthwash at a different time to brushing. Always brush with your fluoride toothpaste for two whole minutes at least. Spit it away, but don't rinse it away. If you need additional fluoride, you can get that from a mouthwash. It won't clean your teeth. It won't get rid of germs, but it can put an extra protective layer of fluoride on your teeth. And I would suggest that, I always suggest that people brush their teeth first thing in the morning. It should be the first thing you do before breakfast, whatever. And then if you feel you want to add more fluoride or you want to make your mouth feel fresher or whatever, that would be the time to use a fluoride mouthwash. So a different time to brushing because you can't add more and more fluoride on, it won't work. It's It's more the number of times that you have it that will be beneficial. Excellent, excellent advice. I'm curious for people who have had eating disorders in the past, is that damage done, done? Or is there anything they can do? Once you've lost your tooth enamel from acid erosion, you can't get it back. So it's very much a a matter of halting the process Mm -hmm. and trying to make sure that you don't make things any worse. Okay. Um, Yeah. And that's when the fluoride mouthwashes can be helpful. Um, Stopping the habit if you can. Yeah. So then let's talk a little bit um, about how to minimize the detrimental if, if impacts of things like gummy bears and, you know, fig bars and all the stuff and the, and the sports drinks. And how much, how much does our dry mouth during these events uh, make it exacerbate the effects of those? Well, saliva is one of the best things we've got. Saliva protects um, 
your, your mouth against all of the oral health diseases. And one oral health uh, problem that we haven't really talked about is gum disease or gum mm. inflammation. Mm -hmm. And that's really, really important. In fact, that's the biggest proportion of all the athletes that I've looked at had oh, wow. signs. They had signs of um, gum inflammation. Now, a lot of the time that's reversible with really effective, careful toothbrushing and interdental cleaning, okay. which you need to be shown how to do by your dentist or hygienist. Um, but saliva, it can help to rinse uh, away food particles and things like that. It's got immunoglobulins in it that will protect gum health. Um, and it's got, if you regularly brush your teeth with fluoride, um, then your saliva will also have a, a reservoir of fluoride ions in it that are available to help repair microscopic um, oh, damage okay. that happens. Um, from, so that's, that's a very useful thing. Um, so mouthwashes are, are important. Uh, sorry, what were we talking about? Well, I, yeah, it's funny. I was just, track, uh, I know. I, I, I was following you down that track too. And then I was like, what did I just ask? Well, um, no, what, what we were talking about is uh, mitigating the effects of, because I had asked like how much, how much of a impact that you know, when I'm on my bike for oh. six hours or when you're running a marathon, your mouth yes. gets kind of dry and we're taking in all of this other stuff. And I'm, you know, people are chewing like licorice whips and God knows what we're doing. Right. But our mouths are dry and all this stuff. So how can we help Does carrying an extra bottle of water or just trying to yeah. do something? Does that help at all? We would definitely recommend um, always having a, a bottle of water on your on your bike. Um, yeah. Then you can use like a two bottle strategy. Yeah. Uh, you know, you can have a drink of your sports drink and then follow that with a, a drink of water or you can have your energy gel, bite of your, or you can have your gel, drink of water, um, bite of right. energy bar, whatever, or one of these dreadful gummy things <laughs> that really do stick to your teeth uh, with water. So if possible, always have water and use that. You see that very much with the tennis players. Hmm. Tennis players always use two bottle strategy. Whenever you see them in their two minute in their break between games, they will have their sports drink, drink of water. They'll have a gel, drink of water. They always, always, always uh, drink yeah. water with with their drinks, gels, bars. So that's a really important thing if you can do that. If you can rely on hydration with water, then that's great. Yeah. I mean, it, there's, everyone has their own strategies. There's so much going on, right? It's, you need the energy, you need the electrolytes. You, you have to try to keep your gut from getting all, all, the, all the things that happen to your gut, but I, you know, having some extra water, actually, I didn't do it for my oral health though. Maybe I should have. Um, but I did start doing the two bottle strategy because I couldn't take all the sugar, you know? So it Absolutely. like helped me, helped me sort of take that in my gut, let alone in my, in my. Absolutely. Teeth. A lot of the things that we do for oral health are actually very good for general health. The two are intimately connected. Oral right. health is an integral part of general health and well-being. Habits that are good for oral health will also be good for general health. So right. that, that's a pretty good thing to remember. Um, there was something else I was going to say. Um, regarding hydration and post-exercise post recovery, Milk is a fantastic source of nutrients, 
source protein, sources of good fats, everything. Um, so don't discount milk as a very, very good post-exercise recovery drink. And it's good for your teeth. And it's very good for your teeth and your body. <laughs> That's right. Uh-huh. Excellent. So let's pivot a little bit into um, menopause. I had shared with you a couple of older papers and there's not much out there, but there was some research and some of the menopause sites, you know, talk about oral health during this time. And I didn't find quite as much on teeth per se, but, um, you know, there seemed to be some things like burning mouth syndrome, dry mouth, uh, maybe periodent. Periodontitis. Thank you. I can't say it, so I won't. Um, That that it's hard to say what's going on if it's a hormonal fluctuation or age or both of them colliding. You know, it's so many things are. But I would love to hear because I do hear from some of our listeners who have some of these dry mouth, burning mouth um, symptoms. You know, like what they can do. Yes. About them. Um, Yeah. So one of the very very difficult things about burning mouth syndrome is that we really very rarely can find a cause for it. Hmm. So everybody wants to know why they've got it and it's very difficult to find uh, a, a real diagnosis. Um, the other thing is that sometimes people think they have a dry mouth, but actually the saliva flow rate is normal. Sometimes people don't think they have a dry mouth and yet their saliva flow rate is reduced. So it's a very complicated thing. Um, Sometimes people, if they feel they have a dry mouth or a burning mouth, they might want to cool their mouth down. They might want to suck on boiled sweets or something like that uh, to make the mouth feel as if they've got more saliva or they might want mints to make the mouth feel cool. We would say, please, please, please make sure if you do anything like that, use a sugar-free type because the dry mouth will increase your chances of having gum disease dental dental decay and uh, dental erosion so if you are going to suck on any sweets or anything like that to try and mitigate these symptoms then make sure they're sugar-free or if you're going to chew chewing gum make sure it's sugar-free chewing gum uh, again, it's important to stay hydrated. Regular sips of just plain water would be the best thing for that. Um, regarding HRT to treat those symptoms, um, there is a place for HRT in treating the climacteric symptoms of menopause. Um, and that's something that women should discuss with their doctor or gynecologists Um And if they need to find somebody who actually has a good knowledge uh, of the the menopause and, you know, so they can good advice. Um, HRT, you know, it's very useful. It can protect against heart disease. uh, And most people know that if you balance up progesterone and estrogen, then you will protect against potential for increasing the chances of uh, cancer or whatever so it's all about balancing it all out and Um, it helps with it's very useful for bone density so i'm wondering where that intersects with dental health yeah well gum disease um is 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 a cumulative thing so you're going to be more prone to it as you get older if you've got it but gum disease is very much um 
mitigated against by having really good oral hygiene. Mm -hmm. But if you do have gum disease, then that means that you've lost some bone that's holding your teeth in. Okay. So there is a chance that uh, HRT that's helping with bone density may well mitigate a little bit against gum disease, but it can't solve it. What will control the progression of gum disease is making sure that you are cleaning your teeth effectively. It's all about proper toothbrushing and interdental cleaning. And if you're unfortunate enough to have a predisposition towards gum disease, then the bad news is that you just have to be absolutely fantastic with your oral hygiene. Yeah. Because you can't afford to let it slip. Um, to be clear for our audience, periodontitis is gum disease, right? Like what those are. Periodontitis is gum disease. Yeah. Gingivitis is gum inflammation. Okay. Gingivitis always comes before periodontitis, but having gingivitis doesn't necessarily mean that you will definitely get periodontitis. And you always get gingivitis through a lack of adequate oral hygiene. You might think you're doing it right if you're not doing it right. So that's why you need some guidance from a hygienist or a dentist to make sure you're effectively brushing your teeth. Excellent. Excellent. And and if you are, and I've heard this from some of our listeners, and sometimes I wonder it myself because I look at my parents and grandparents, all of whom have, you know, some of them had full dentures, some of them have partials, bridges, you name it. Are you kind of doomed? I mean, if you if your family history, no, you're shaking your head. I, I'm glad to see that. <laughs> I don't. There, um, there might be an element of hereditary uh, periodontal disease. Um, however, I think with you can mitigate against that with really, really, really excellent oral hygiene. Okay, it will really uh, slow that down a lot. So it's, it's, it's something that we're never taught. Well, I don't know what it's like in the USA, but in the UK, um, you know, we, we have people, they develop gum disease. They don't understand why, but I've been cleaning my teeth. They say they haven't been doing it right. And we don't teach people how to do it right until they're much older and they've got the problem. And then you've got to unlearn the bad habits and relearn the new habits. And that's always tricky. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. A, a listener had asked one of the ones who requested a, a dental health uh, program about tooth crowding. You know, she said she's like 51 and menopause and doesn't know that any of this is related, but her dentist told her that teeth crowding gets more common with age in both sexes. Is that true? Um, well, teeth will always tend to move forward in the mouth rather than move back in the mouth okay. if they're going to move at all and your teeth what move. makes them move <laughs> they, they, they move in in response to the pressure on them the thing is i don't really know what your listener is referring to when she's talking about tooth crowding she says she's she having a harder time flossing yeah she may have noticed that her teeth are moving forward her front teeth have moved forward a little bit and that might be because she's lost some bone as a result of gum disease. Because teeth, as I say, teeth are always in balance between the pressures exerted by your lips and cheeks and your tongue. And it just depends how things are going. But if you 
If you do lose a little bone support for your teeth, they will always tend to be pushed forward. So it might look like they're crowding and going forwards. So again, uh, the answer is excellent oral hygiene. <laughs> I'm afraid that's the answer to those problems. <laughs> well, this, this might seem like a silly question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Um, is there a benefit to eating crunchy foods for like, you know, I mean, I, I know that I, my bones do better if I jump and do lateral activity and put some sort of stress on them. Is there a benefit to eating raw carrots to my jaw? Do I'm asking? Does that help with the bone? It might just give you a sore, might just give you sore <laughs> muscles. <laughs> um, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't say that eating raw carrots is detrimental to your oral health, and it's very likely to be very good for you because you're going to get more vitamins and minerals from raw carrots. Right, I'm eating carrots, <laughs> so uh, that's fantastic. Um, I'm not. But I don't need to to do plyometrics for my teeth necessarily, right? Not necessarily, no. <laughs> Excellent. I um oh I, I guess the last question I wanted to to ask is what going back to your study and I was wondering it while you were talking like when when the participants said that they felt like their oral health had sometimes been a detriment to their performance did they was there anything specific to that you know were they saying like why was it because like me I'm in the dentist chair like a day before I'm supposed to fly to South Africa getting a tooth extracted or is it like pain and abscess or just all of that like what was actually what is the detrimental effects um, yeah. well, on performance? We, yeah well we know that oral health is integral to general health and well-being and, and so oral health problems could impact could impact potentially on training and performance and even subtle effects could be really important, especially at its elite level where the margins of success are so narrow. Um, acute trauma events such as broken teeth and fractured bones I and acute infections from dental abscesses and impacted wisdom teeth, they can certainly lead to disrupted training and even missed medal opportunities if that's what you're after. Um, but poor oral health can have a chronic impact in, in the form, like you said, of mild to moderate ongoing pain. So it's difficult to perform at your best if you're being distracted by that. And we know that there's a very strong link between um, inflammation in mm. your mouth, particularly mm -hmm. gum inflammation and systemic inflammation. And of course, that's potentially going to have have a, an impact on performance. It might be a subtle one, but it could be there. We, we know that there's a strong link between oral inflammation from gum disease and general health problems like diabetes and cardiovascular disease. disease. Yep. Mm. And we know that by improving gum health, we can actually improve um, the health of people with, with uh, diabetes and cardiovascular problems. So there's a very... There is a direct link between oral health, oral inflammation and systemic inflammation. Um, we've even heard stories from athletes where a chronic oral infection, an infection in their mouth, was linked to a systemic infection elsewhere. Hmm. Uh, and it was only when the oral infection was, was dealt with and uh, resolved that they actually got to the you know, the. the getting rid of the systemic uh, problem and the problem with performance. So we don't fully understand the mechanism. We know that it's something to do with 
pain and inflammation. And how much do we know at this point about the oral microbiome and where that plays in with like nitrate conversion? And I mean, that's some fascinating research that I dip my toes into. That is, um, we've got, uh, we know that um, the, the saliva that you have and your oral microbiome can determine how well you can prevent oral disease and how and it will be a reflection of how healthy your mouth is. We can measure the types of bugs that you've got in your saliva and your dental plaque, and they can tell us how likely you are to have uh, dental decay or gum disease because there are certain bugs that are associated with those two conditions, mm-hmm. um, not dental erosion because that's a, that's not a bacterial disease. Um, and we know that if you get an overgrowth of one type of bug, then that will be detrimental to the healthier ones. Mm-hmm. So it's really important to, to have a healthy microbiome, that's for sure. Um, and the, the bacteria in your mouth that can convert nitrates into nitrites are the ones that can um, help to widen your blood vessels and decrease blood pressure. So again, if you were to use an antiseptic or antimicrobial mouthwash, then that would change the balance in your mouth and you wouldn't have so many of those bugs. Therefore, you know, you wouldn't get such a good performance from having a good blood flow through your muscles. That's fascinating. I find that really very interesting. Yes. So um, you've got to be very careful with mouthwashes. A lot of people might think that they should use an antibacterial mouthwash because it'll help their gum health. But actually, it's just going to disrupt the balance of your oral microbiome. And it's not going to improve your gum health that much to improve your gum health. Good toothbrush and it's just, we go. does it sound like a cracked record? You know, I love it. Yeah. Uh-huh. It is. It, it is. I, I, it's important though, and and the, I, it is important to keep driving home that many of us may never have learned that, and now we're fifty. You know, and it it's yeah. not too late to change how you brush and to yeah yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. So don't don't rely on mouthwashes. Yes. So the only yeah. mouthwash we'd really recommend would be the fluoride one to, okay. and that's, that can be very useful, um, particularly when you are, you know, having a lot of drinks and gels and bars, then, you know, brushing with the high fluoride toothpaste, the prescription toothpaste twice a day for two minutes, don't, don't, uh, don't rinse it away. And then you can add some extra fluoride in with the mouth rinse as well which can be very helpful and convenient, you know. Excellent. Well, this has been a super enlightening discussion. Is there anything that we haven't discussed that you thought that our audience could benefit from knowing? I don't uh, know if we've got too much. Well, don't forget that if you are going to have this prescription fluoride toothpaste, keep it out of the reach of children. It's Mm -hmm. uh, it's a prescribed medicine, so you have to treat it as such. Um, and we talked about the importance of using the right kind of mouthwash and not relying on that to actually improve your oral health. Uh, it's 
these, these things. Um, the other thing we're just, I was just going to say was that at the Centre for Oral Health and Performance, we're developing the role of the sports dentist. So we're trying to encourage um, the development of a body of people, of dentists with an interest in sport, so that we can be expert in dealing not just with sports trauma, but also skilled in promoting excellent oral health for all athletes. Uh, because oral health is not difficult to achieve if you follow the rules and if you take the steps that we suggest to mitigate against the fact that you are increasing the risk because of what you do. But we thoroughly believe that physical activity and sport is absolutely fantastic for general health and well-being but we don't want you to lose out to your oral health through the things that you do for that. Well that's our show. Join me next week when I sit down with Sarah Furman who is the CEO of You Can Row Too which provides rowing workouts, training programs, and certification to exercises and fitness professionals worldwide. I told Sarah I enjoyed the rowing machine about as much as I do the dentist chair, and she promised me that she could change my mind. So come on back next week to see if she did. And until then, as always, stay feisty. You've been listening to Hit Play, Not Pause, a feisty menopause podcast for active, performance-minded women. I'm your host, Celine Yeager. The show is edited and produced by the strong, talented, and amazing women at Live Feisty Media. Follow us on social media at Feisty Menopause, and please help us spread the word. Screenshot and share this episode on your social media channels with the tag at Feisty Menopause. Share the show with your friends, and please subscribe, like, review, and rate this show wherever you get your podcasts. Word of mouth and good reviews make it easier for other listeners to find. Thanks for listening, and as always, stay feisty. Stay feisty.